Well, good morning, Northwest Baptist Church. How are you? You guys awake this morning? Man, I am so excited to finally be here. Uh, like you said, I mean, I'm coming from FBC Owasso. Uh, Abby and I, we recently graduated from OBU. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had kind of a wild ride. Things have not looked like, they, like we thought that they would. But, man, God has just blessed us and has guided us uh, kind of through this whole process. Uh, I grew up in, uh, at First Baptist Church Owasso. Uh, man, like, I, I gave my life to the Lord whenever I was 12 years old. I was got, got to talk to some of our students this morning. And, I mean, it was a time that I, my parents were always involved in church. Uh, but it was a point in my life when I realized for the first time that I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. And he just kind of humbled me. And, and, man, got to, he drew me to him. And I was just so excited to finally have uh, that relationship with him. Uh, I gra- like you said, I graduated from OBU with a degree in theology. Uh, my wife, she is currently pursuing her master's degree in marriage and family therapy, so she's still going to school. She's a lot smarter than I am, and so uh, it's, a, it's a huge blessing. Uh, I'm from Owasso. She's from Edmond, um, and, uh, and we've been married for just under a year, so we're, we're fresh. May 29th was when we got married. We got, we're coming up on a year right now, and so... Um, I'm just so excited. I mean, a little bit more about just kind of who I am, my personality. I mean, I am very relational. I love relationships, and I love coffee. So if you enjoy getting coffee, like, come over. We'll make you some. We'll make you a cup, and uh, we'll just talk. We'll get to hang out. Uh, Another thing about me is I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I don't know if there's anybody else in here that's a Star Wars fan, but man, I love the music. It's John Williams is incredible. I love the, uh, the storyline of just, you know, good versus evil and redemption. And, and, just, and I also love the fact that so, like, you can go just about anywhere and someone has, has watched Star Wars, you know? So you get that connection that's awesome. I mean, another thing about me, and this has been really cool because I got to connect with some of our students and some of our, the personnel uh, committee, uh, I mean, I, got, I really enjoy playing soccer. I'm not great, but I enjoy playing it. Uh, I started at OBU, and, you know, I got to, uh, first time was at college. I got to be on the club team. Uh, man, the first time that I actually played soccer, uh, I blocked a total of two shots, and I was proud of those two shots because I blocked them with my face. I mean, I went all in, like, I, I walked up, and they said, hey, we need an extra player. I'm like, I've never played. They said, don't worry, you can use your hands. And so, you know, Oklahoma State champion soccer player smoked me right in the face. A guy who grew up in, in Spain playing. And when I say that, like, this dude's, like, massive. Like, his thighs were the size of my torso. And he smoked it, also hit me in the face, but he didn't score. Uh, they were about five goals apart, you know, so he made five other shots. But, man, I blocked two of them. <laughs> uh, man, and... And that was such a, a, a good time. Uh, whenever I got to join club, I, mean, I got to have those relationships with people that I, I, I value greatly even to this day. Um, and you know, I, I noticed something whenever I would, whenever I kind of, like through my time at OBU. Because I had like those, you know, weekend, like, hey, we just have one-off games. I, I've got to play some where they're intramural. Uh, they're, you know, like four or five games, but it was just kind of with the college, just kind of for fun, people who didn't play soccer. And then I got to do the club uh, team. And that was, that was another time. That was a whole new level. And what I noticed is that with every single uh, level of soccer, the goals, uh, they, were, they, they had more weight to them. Uh, there was more weight to the fact that I would make a goal whenever I was playing club soccer than I was for the one-off games. You know, and and as, as I continued to go on, you know, I, I learned this, that like, 
for, for the more weight per goal, the more that my life would kind of be formed around soccer. And I think that we probably would recognize this. Because here's the thing, man, whenever I was, uh, was playing the one-off games, like, it was just wherever I was at, clothes I was wearing, let's play. Whenever I was in intramural, sometimes we would put on the same colored shirts, and maybe sometimes I would stretch before I'd play. Uh, but man, we would just kind of go into it um, and, and, and just enjoy the game, enjoy playing with each other. But man, whenever I uh, got to club soccer, my life began to completely uh, change a little bit because the weight of what I was doing mattered more. You see, there were some things that I would put in place that weren't in place before. Uh, I mean, I would go to practices. Like, I would actually do more workouts. I would, you know, do things to prepare myself so that whenever I got into the field, I was better able to perform and to do the things that I needed to do that really mattered in the game. I also took some things away out of my life. Uh, You know, I stopped eating as much junk food because I would eat so much junk food all the time. Like, I gained so much weight in college. It was a bad time. But man, I, I, I had these things that I would put into place and that I would take out of my life in order to, to be ready and able to serve uh, my team, those, to, to play with my teammates, to win those games. And uh, man, I just think that this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. This is such a beautiful picture of the gospel because there are things that in our lives that, man, as we began, when we surrendered our lives to the Lord, because of the weight of this gospel, our lives began, began uh, to completely transform. Our lives looked totally different. Even if we grew up in church, I was just talking with one of our students, and I mean, like, he had grown up in the church, like, but, and you know, went to a Christian school, but when he gave his life to the Lord, man, he, his entire life, like, he started to treat people different. He, he, he adjusted his life to it, and it's because of how important this message is. I said, man, I am so excited to finally be here and just to work through this passage. We're gonna be in Ephesians chapter three this morning. And as we kind of get into this, um, man, I wanna confess something and, and just ask of something of us too. Uh, as I was preparing, man, I, I felt this weight of like what's happening and I felt the pressure and the temptation to kind of believe that, man, I needed to come up here and perform. That like, man, I, like I'm trying to impress you guys and, and you're trying to see who I am. And I mean, I just began to be convicted as I was reading this passage because of just how, how much I would become distracted by what I was about to do. And so man, this morning my prayer is, is, that, this, is that we would remove any distractions, that, our, that we would reset our minds, so that as we're diving into God's word, we don't miss this opportunity, an opportunity to encounter the one true God who saved us and died for us. Uh, and so man, I'm just so grateful to finally be here. This is a good time. And so uh, we're going to go into Ephesians chapter 3, and just a little bit of background on on Ephesus. It is a a culture that was very similar to ours. It was inherently spiritual. Uh, Ephesus was the home of the temple of Artemis. Uh, There was a big business. We can see in in Acts 19, Paul coming to Ephesus and sharing the gospel, and there was so much change that happened in the city that there was a riot that started because the business owners who were profiting off of the spirituality in the community, suddenly they were losing their business because people were following the way. Uh, Man, there were totally different cultures. Uh, It was a very wealthy community. It was a trade city, uh, very much like ours. You know, there's there's a great diversity in in the way that people believed and they worshiped and who they worshiped. And so the believers in this time, when Paul was writing this, he was encouraging them from prison 
to live out this gospel, to, to not forget about the, what God has done in our lives and the weight of what he has done. And so we're gonna dive in this morning. We're gonna start in verse 14. And if you'll just follow along, I think there's gonna be, there's, yeah, there it is on the screen. Just follow along with me. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Therefore I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, to walk in the manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of spirit and the bondage of peace. And I'm just so grateful for this passage. You guys can be seated. Thank you for, for standing with that. Man, Paul is, is, is writing this church and he's in prison. And he's in prison for sharing his faith. Uh, and I, mean, I just think this is so funny because we see in several times in scriptures, there's even a story of Paul talking about the fact that he's been thrown in jail for his faith and they chain him to these guards and he's writing, he's like, yeah, even the guards just gave their lives to Christ because they couldn't get away from me. I mean, he, his life was so full of what God had done and he was so grateful um, for, for everything that they had done. And so this is his prayer and his exhortation just before he gets into this big application talking about the specifics. And he starts off, he says, Paul is praying that he would strengthen every and all believers in their inner beings. Now when we surrender our lives to Christ, a lot of times we tend to think of like fire insurance. If I do good things, then maybe I won't go to hell. Maybe I won't uh, be separated from God. But man, Paul, what he's, what he's pointing to is the fact that when we surrender our, our lives to God, he's praying for these believers that they would be strengthened in their inner being. The inner being is, 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 the, is what motivates us. That's who we are before we even act. That's our very nature, our core of who we are. And he's praying that God, that who, from whom every family on earth receives their name, that they would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in their inner beings. And why? Why does he pray for that? In order that Christ may dwell in our hearts. Why does this matter? Why does it matter that, that it's not just about the good things that I do or, or about just you know, who I profess to be or the fact that I go to church? Christ dwells in our hearts because it affects and it changes who we are at our very core. Uh, Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think if we look at our world, man, there's a whole lot of, of, of mess. There's a whole lot of pain. But I think even, like, if, even if you're here this morning, maybe you've never given your life to the Lord, if you wondered, or if you're watching, and, and, and now for the first time, you're kind of like going to church to see what it's about. You would say that, man, like, yeah, I'm not perfect. 
But like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm still a pretty good person. Inherently, like, I'm just, I'm, that's just who I am. But what's interesting, I think, is that when we look at, like, I, I mean, I, there's a story that I just, I just think of, um, of my brother and sister when they were little kids. Uh, my parents had just bought this brand new furniture set, you know, for their bedroom. And of course, as soon as my mom and dad leave, you know, they're up in the room and they're playing WWE like SmackDown and they managed to break some of the pieces of furniture. So my mom comes home and she's like, she sees the mess and she wonders like, hey, who, what happened? Who did this? And my brother and sister look at them, look at my mom and say, not me, not me. And so she's like, okay, I know you're lying. So she spanks them, right? And so then she says, all right, now who did it? Not me, not me. So she spanks it. And for 30 minutes this goes on of not me, not me, spank, not me, not me. And then finally my dad got home and then it was, you know, it was done, right? <laughs> finally my sister's crying. She's like, Kyle, please just tell her, you know, because he was just done with being punished for his deeds, right? And you know, what's interesting about that is that like, even as little kids, I mean, if you have kids, you know that you don't have to teach your kids how to lie. Like, that, like you don't have to teach your kids to sin or to rebel. Like, it's just naturally is a part of us. And you know, I think it's interesting because like even at the most innocent point in our lives, you would say as our, as our kids, before things have happened, before we've experienced trauma, like man, like at, at the, such a young age, that's the most pure that we will ever be. And even in that moment, there's, a, uh, there, there's, there's evidence of a fact that we have a sin nature. So why does Paul pray for us to be strengthened by the Spirit in the inner being? So that Christ may dwell there. When we surrender our lives to Christ, I mean, it, it's like a little bit of, of his, his righteousness and his fullness is put into our lives. And who we are at our very core, our very nature begins to transform. It begins to change. What motivates us, who we are, is no longer this broken, sinful thing. But it's, begin, it's becoming through the process of sanctification to look like him. And to act like him and to love like him. And to trust God like him. And at our inner being, Paul is praying that we would be strengthened in our inner being. Why does it matter that Christ dwells in our hearts? And we see this in Genesis. At the very beginning, God created everything. And it was good. It was good. And then we see in chapter three, man, there's this, this sin this, that happens, this rebellion against God. And now our whole purpose, everything about who we are and why God created us was thrown out of whack. And we see pain and suffering and rebellion and God's grace. But even in that grace, people turn away and they forget of how good God is. And, and then we see this Jesus. And it's incredible because he comes in in a miraculous way, born of a virgin, born under the law lives out the law perfectly because God says that if you wanna be with me, you have to be perfect. You have to follow all my commandments. And he fulfills that where we had failed. But man, he, he, he goes in and, and what happens? He, he ends up being crucified. Why does this matter? Man, God, Jesus, Jesus was our sacrificial lamb. He was the one who lived out this law, fulfilled that paid the price and died for our sins. You and I's nature, the reason that we are in the predicament that we're in is because of our own doing. We all have this in nature. 
But Christ pays this debt as a sacrificial lamb. But not only that, he rises from the dead. He doesn't stay dead. He rises from the dead and he, and he gives us this Holy Spirit and then he ascends into heaven and he is still fully God and fully man. But he is, he is now the one who's paid the price. Why does it matter that we're strengthened in our inner being? Because compared to a holy, holy, holy God, we fall terribly short. We are all so sinful. And we see this in our nation. There's just so much division, so much pain. And so Paul is praying for these believers that they would be strengthened in their inner, inner being, their nature, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith, so that by having Christ in our hearts, the very source and goal of love itself, we will be with all the saints, can finally be filled with the fullness of God. Isn't that interesting? God's not hiding from us. There's not levels to God depending upon your commitment to God. And we get, the, we get to be filled with the fullness of God, complete of who God is. He doesn't hold anything back. He gives us his whole son who died for us and paid that penalty. And we get to have that relationship with him. He's praying that, man, the church, because of what Jesus has done, that they would be strengthened in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts, so that all saints, all believers, anybody who comes to follow him, would have that relationship with him. The next thing that we see is that the, we see Paul's praise for God. He goes on and he reads, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, that Holy Spirit, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And there's two things that we can see why God, because like, we just asked, like he's in the middle of this prayer and he's encouraging them and challenging them to live better. But you see like right in the middle, there's this praise, this doxology. Why does he feel the need to take a second and just, and write this down? Well, there's two things. One is that we are totally dependent upon God. And this gospel that I just got to share with you, what part of that is ours, like, did we do? We didn't pay for any of that. We didn't pay, we, didn't, we couldn't pay. We failed miserably. God told us, hey, if you wanna be with me, do this. And we failed miserably time and time and time again, over and over. But God, being, according to his, the riches of his glory, that's his character, that's who he is. According just to who God is and how much he loves us, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, and he paid this penalty. He did it. We are dependent upon him. There's no hope for us on our own, but because of what Christ did and the grace that God has given me in my life, I get to have a relationship with him. You know another thing that's interesting? Let's look how this starts. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, that according to the riches of his glory he may strengthen you, or he would he'd grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. How serious is God about having a relationship with us and challenging us? The whole trinity is involved in that salvation. 
We are redeemed to the Father, reconciled to the Father by the work of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you and I surrender our lives to him, it's not like some angel that just comes and talks to you and like fills out a form. (laughs) It's not just one part of God. God himself, the whole Trinity is involved in your salvation. God, with his whole being, sent himself to sacrifice and die for us. And his whole, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all present in that salvation. You're not dealing with just one part of God, but man, you're dealing with the entirety of the creator of the universe who knows the number of hairs on your head, who spoke light into existence. We get to worship this God. We get to have this relationship with him. And man, when we serve in the name of the Lord, when we go and pray to God, when we experience salvation, when we study scripture, when we use our spiritual gifts that God has given us, when we do anything with our lives for the sake of the gospel like we're supposed to, we're not approaching just one part of God or a small portion of God or God's like kind of divided attention. We are going to the creator of the universe who loved us, created us, died for us, and was involved in our entire salvation. How often do we do the through the teeth and pass the gums, look out stomach, here it comes, go God prayer whenever we eat food? How often do we go to scripture with this mindset of, I just hope I get something, or expecting a certain thing and you read your own words into that? Or how often do we walk past our, our classmates or our, our coworkers and we've had a relationship with them for years and we've tried to be nice to them because that's what Christians should do. How often do we just approach that just so flippantly as if we're not coming before the creator of the universe? And this brings us to this final point is, 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 is Paul's practice for the believers. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bondage of peace. I've been in this weird season where I've been a part-time intern at a church because a job that I thought that I was going to, that we were trusting the Lord and it was just kind of, the door was closed. And about 10 or 11 months worth of searching, man, God has finally brought us here to the, today, this morning. I'm so grateful for that. But I felt that temptation to say, man, I'm just right here, right now as an intern working part-time hours in a temporary transitional period. Um, and I mean, I know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are, are, like, are, are sitting here and they're, they're students and they're at school and they're just like, I'm only a kid. Or that you're like, man, I just work and I have a family that I have to take care of. Or, or maybe you're older and you're just like, man, I, 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 don't, I can't do the same things that I used to. Paul is writing from prison he had written before about how he had 
again, like people were chained to him so he literally couldn't get away after sharing his, his faith and he shared the gospel with the guards that were, he was chained to and they, he's like, yeah, they gave their lives to Christ too. Like it's awesome. Paul is living his life worthy of this calling as a prisoner for the Lord where God has him at that specific moment. He's using every moment as a ministry moment. You see, this idea of being worthy, the word there, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a marketplace term. You know, if you wanted to buy a pound of bananas, you'd put one weight over here and, you know, it'd bring it down and you would keep adding bananas until eventually they were equal. They were worthy of each other. And according to this gospel that we got to experience, according to the riches of God's glory, that he would, be, that he would strengthen us in our inner being, our core, our nature, in order that Christ may dwell in our hearts so that we would be able to comprehend the full love of God and that we'd be filled with the fullness of God. Not part of God, not kind of God, not like I'm a young, you know, whatever, or I'm a new believer. As soon as you give your life to Christ, man, you are filled with the fullness of God. And we grow in that, and we learn from that, and we're sanctified through the holy power of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, because of this, Here's the weight. Here's the, the expectation. Here's my question. Are we living a life that is worthy of the calling? Is our lives worthy of the calling? What is the calling? It's the Great Commission. It's to go out and make disciples of all nations of all people, of all tribes, all tongues, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. See what he did there? It's kind of cool. And so that we would be disciples of him, so we would love him, that we would take this gospel message out to those, because here's the thing, is that as great as this, as, as this salvation story is, unless people know this gospel, unless they believe in this gospel and submit to this gospel, they are separated from God. They are separated from the holy, holy, holy God who loves them and desires for them to come and, and, and be a part of him and to be in his presence and to experience this salvation. And he's telling his people his covenant community that we should go and love people and share this gospel. The God of the universe who created us and knows us. He tells us. And then we do the, the dinner prayer. We do the nice to people. We do the, I'll, I'll serve somebody. That's not worthy of this gospel. That's not worthy of this message that we've received. We were completely separated from God. We had no hope. But God, according to the riches of his glory, through the power of Christ and the work of Christ, and in this Holy Spirit, we have the word of God. We have a relationship with him. So this is my challenge. What would our city look like if we were to live worthy of the calling? What would our city look like? What would change in the lives of our coworkers and our, our, our friends, our, our fellow students? What would, what would change? 
we were to live a life worthy of the gospel. I wonder what the, what the immediate area around the church, like a two-mile radius or as far out as, as, as you are, are, are living in your house, I wonder what that immediate area would look like. I'm not talking international, too. I'm talking right here where God has put you specifically. What would that life look like if we were to live a life worthy of the, this message, this gospel? I, I love this passage. It's, so, it's, it's been influential in my life, if you can't tell. Um, believers, brothers and sisters, are we living a life worthy of this gospel? If, someone were to, were to, if I were to go and talk to some people that know you, would they say that, man, that guy loves me? Or that woman loves me? And to share the gospel with me. Would they know that you're a Christian? If you're here and you've never, you've, you've been in church or you've, you've, you've been kind of on the fence a little bit, but man, you look at your life and you're like, man, I don't know if I've actually surrendered my life to the Lord. And this is the day, this is the challenge to live a life worthy of the calling. And that may mean make the decision to follow him with your whole heart now. And if you're, if you're in here and you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, like you know, man, I, I, I just ask you this morning, I, mean, I don't want to shove the gospel down your throat, but man, it has changed my life. Because I know where I was at and I know that, man, like I just, I have been changed by this gospel. And so, man, living a lot, if you feel that tugging on your heart, like you feel this, this like you're being just kind of pushed a little bit or you feel the need to go forward, you know, like I know that's embarrassing and that's awkward and stuff. But man, talk to somebody. You're in a room full of believers. Talk to somebody about what it means to follow Christ. Because surrendering our lives to the Lord is what it looks like to, follow, to live a life worthy of the calling. You've, this decision, this is the weight of the message. This is the weight of our sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. What we earn, our wage, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I just want to challenge you to come. Experience Christ. He's not hiding from you. He's here. He, he, he's, it's right in front of you. He's given us his word. He's given us people that we get. To, if you're experiencing this pull, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God himself saying, come and follow me. Are we living a life worthy of the calling? with which we've been called. Um, I'm gonna ask just now, we're gonna you know, take a time of prayer. Um, and if you've, I just, you know, take a second to ask the Lord to put somebody on your heart. Someone that you've walked past every single day who you know does not know the Lord. And ask God to give you an opportunity and to give you a weight on, their, on, on your heart for them. Man, if you, if you have never surrendered your life to the Lord, man, I just ask that you would just in your moment, like we can pray, like we're talking, just talk to the Lord. You're not talking to the air. You're not talking out loud just to a person. You're talking to the Lord. So either in your mind or on your heart or out loud, just, man, I, if you don't know Christ, man, I just ask that you would say, God, would you please forgive me of my sins and just, like, I want to give my life to you. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Oh my goodness, God, we get to know you. Father, I ask that you would convict us individually and personally that you would show us what it means to follow you and to live a life worthy of this calling. God, we know that there are people that we get to interact with that don't know you, that we've given up on. We've shared, but just they don't, they don't accept it. And I just ask that through your Holy Spirit that you would challenge us to love them well and to, to share this gospel. And Lord, that you would challenge us with this thing of discipleship. If we've not been discipled, God, help us to be intentional about that. And Lord, for, for those who, who don't know you, God, I just ask that you would make it crystal clear that they need to follow you and that they can surrender their lives to you and that they can trust you wholeheartedly. Lord, we trust you for today. God, we trust you for our salvation. And remind us of this weight of this gospel that we've experienced. In your name we pray.